This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. Our focus on today's episode is to delineate the difference between business intelligence and true forecasting. Looking at data backwards in a dashboard, particularly if it's in real time even, can be very helpful for guiding business decisions, but knowing where our numbers are going, whether it's customer service, whether it's sales, whether it's inventory, being able to forecast is another level of business advantage, and it is certainly one of the great appeals to being a data-enabled business and being able to unlock the value of machine learning. Uh, Large enterprises are working on these problems on their own in some cases, but also there's a lot of vendor companies working on business intelligence and taking it to the next level of forecasting. We've had Microsoft and Oracle and Click and many of the other bigger uh, BI platform players on the program before. And today we get to speak with the head of AI research at Zoho Corporation. Zoho is based in the Bay Area. They're worth around a billion dollars. And their head of AI research is Ramprakash Ramamurthy. Ramprakash joins us this week to talk about what it was like inside of Zoho to take their existing BI applications and turn those into applications capable of forecasting. There's different kinds of data that might be easier to forecast than others. There's all kinds of new considerations for how data is structured and how data is presented. So Ramprakash goes through their journey going from retroactive information to proactive forecasting, and much of what is relevant in his journey will be relevant in yours. No matter what business you're in, shifting from the rearview mirror to looking forward is part of where ML fits into enterprise value, And I thought this was a great episode to highlight exactly that journey. No matter what industry, this is an episode that's relevant for you. And we've had a few requests to cover more about forecasting. So in the coming three to six months, you can expect to hear a few more episodes about this topic of going from rearview mirror to looking out the windshield. In fact, just this week, we had a great review on iTunes for the podcast. I will read that in the outro of this episode. I'm not going to bog you down now, but if you want to stick around, it certainly warmed my heart. Uh, was something that helps remind us why we do what we do here um, and is always appreciated. Um, and again, it's, it's recommendations like that and it's conversations on LinkedIn that give me great ideas to bring episodes to the table. So without further ado, here's an episode to the table for you. This is Ramprakash Ramamurthy, the head of AI research at Zoho, speaking today about forecasting on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Ram, I'm excited to be able to have you on the program. I'm familiar with Zoho uh, and your brand writ large, and you guys have many tools. Uh, Business Intelligence BI tool is obviously one of those many. You and I had talked off microphone about artificial intelligence really helping with both anomaly detection and forecasting in that BI tool. Maybe if, if you don't mind, Ram, I'd love to understand how did forecasting work kind of before AI and anomaly detection work before AI? Maybe you could introduce us to the tool itself just conceptually here. Dan, thank you very much for having me. Of course. Let's look at the BI landscape. BI traditionally has seen a lot of statistics and I would call AI just beefed up statistics into statistics plus marketing. Yeah. Uh, A lot of statistical (laughs) tools we had uh, have been used for decades in the scientific uh, world, in the medical world and so on. But now... uh, let us look at BI per se, where, you know, your BI product hosts a lot of data. For example, there could be one aspect of it that stores minutely data from an IoT sensor. There could be one module that actually looks at, let's say, your quarterly revenue numbers or your quarterly expenditure and so on. So there are different seasonalities, different patterns to it across your dashboards, right? So think about it. 
before ai would come in uh, traditionally anomaly would have been a weighted average right so you had a bell curve and uh, you just draw the 20 anything less than 20 is an anomaly anything more than 80 is an anomaly yeah. so yeah there are multiple dimensions to this problem let us first look at anomaly per se and you have a univariate anomaly where you just have the numbers you probably have a time series a time versus value or you have something that occurred over a number of times for example uh, let's say the number of visits in the last 10 minutes the number of people coming into your store in the last one hour and and now there can be a seasonal effect to it right so so it can be an aggregate it can just be hourly data points and this is where ai can come in and look at the bigger longer picture and it probably knows on a wednesday morning 9 am you probably have so much footfalls in your store right and uh, there can be the number of events as well let's say the number of times your your payment system actually failed let's say it 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 fails once every hour so now when you look at anomaly there has to be a baseline that has to be established and anything that deviates from it is going to be flagged as an anomaly now with traditional statistical techniques you just look at it from a single dimension but ai can bring in the multidimensional factor where you look at the seasonal factors you look at the trend factors let's say your business is growing at 10% every year then that 10% should not be factored as an anomaly right so this is where even without any tuning even without any training or marking anomaly there are powerful ai based anomaly tools that can actually help you identify anomalies now this is not just restricted to a single variable you can have multiple variables together and you know one variable as an individual contributor might not be an anomaly but that combination could be something very anomalous right so so let's say let's say you have a monitoring dashboard you're trying to monitor all the metrics of your machine of your server and and let's say you have cpu at 70% memory at 70% pre hard disk at 10% cpu at 70% is not an anomaly individually it is okay but cpu at 70% and your free hard disk at 10% is something that is a combination that is an anomaly right and your ai system uh, the system we built is also powerful enough to explain why that is being marked as an anomaly so so in single dimensional cases it could be uh, something like i expected this value but i am getting this so this could be an anomaly this is so much percentage of increase so now for an end user that gives a lot of confidence okay so this is why uh, let us take the uh, the pandemic case there were a lot of cases where the pandemic wasn't really modeled into your recent past definitely right? so, not yeah definitely not <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so so think of a potential supermarket where uh, let's say you're pushing all your data into the bi tool and the the system would find it difficult to adapt saying why are people hoarding six months of toilet paper in a week right so so we had cases where it systems actually blocked online grocers considering it was a ddos attack but people were actually trying to hoard right so so your ai system once when it comes to place if your ai system can actually model external events too right so now you know that there is a pandemic there is something that is happening and uh, you have anomaly systems monitoring your data now it can clearly throw if it is a combinatorial anomaly or an univariate anomaly and so on so this is the anomaly part now your forecasting is again it is it is similar you need to capture your trend you need to capture your uh, seasonality you need to look at now let's say you could have data aggregated at a minutely level now you are trying to forecast it at a daily level or a weekly level so there can be multiple 
uh, when you look at your data for a weekly seasonal pattern you know your mondays and fridays could be different your wednesdays would be totally different but when you zoom it out and look at it from a monthly perspective your first and the last weeks of the month could have different seasonality so now yeah. you see that whenever you do anomaly or forecasting it it depends on which level you are zooming into right so so your ai can bring in this multi level use case and especially in bi tools we cater to both the segments of audience for example one is the very powerful statistician kind of audience where who can come in they know what a k means is they know what p values are and and your tool has to be powerful enough to let them play around with now let's say uh, the forecasting engine we talk about in ai today the idea is that it it forecasts using multiple different perspectives and it runs a cross validation across all of these perspectives right to find out the best forecast for example your data could have a additional seasonality or a multiplicative seasonality your data could have a different trend and now now each of your seasonal trend and random components could be in different flavors it could be additive it could be multiplicative it could just be random so now the ai based forecasting engine would actually let's say you have 10 different points and ask for the next two points you ask to ask it to forecast the next two points so what it does is it it just takes eight as the training data and it forecasts the next two points right so depending on the forecast quality it chooses the right path for the rest of your data so there are two extremes one where there is absolutely no control you just hit the forecast button it works it should work like a black box it just gives you the forecast and the other spectrum where statisticians come in and they can tune a lot of different variables to see and get the maximum mileage of the data they have so it has to gather to those two extremes and then idea is also opening it up via uh, an natural language based platform where you can go we in spite of a web based or a mobile app based interface a conversational interface is quickly catching up these days now this particular bi tool it has a, a you know voice agent where you can talk to it and you can say uh, what is the forecast for the next 3 months right or is there is there something wrong in the last month's revenue figures and it can even get insights from data that is not visible to your plain eye uh, there can be some interesting patterns over there for example uh, lower value deals go through very faster deals from this particular state have a good chance to go through right so your your bi is basically your data warehouse and uh, however you are able to get ai in there uh, with reasonable explanation as well like in the case of the multivariate anomaly we were yeah, talking yeah. about uh, and uh, serving to both the audiences the professional audiences who can slice and dice numbers the other set of audience who just want things at a click of a button they might not be technical to understand the statistical nitty gritties of the problem so you you will have to make sure your ai is tuned in such a way that it caters across the range of audience and uh, gives them the best quality forecast or anomaly and it is also exposed via multiple different agents it, it comes via a mobile app a web app or even a conversational interface where you can get a lot of interesting questions and insights from the agent per se yeah okay well there's so much to dive into here ram do you mind if i poke into some of the things you've mentioned Sure done. Okay, okay. So this is this is great. I, I, you you're really putting this in plain English. You're you're without me prompting you at all. You're already going into great examples. So I have to say you you must be pretty practiced in explaining this to non-technical folks. Yeah. This is this, <laughs> this is this is good stuff. So I'm really enjoying the way you're going yeah. into it. A few things I'd like to touch on just to make sure I'm congealing this well for the audience. One is that 
you know, when, when we look at, I'm just going to use a completely different example, but when we look at artificial intelligence in a space like banking, where a lot of our market research, you know, uh, work yeah. and clients and whatnot are in, in the financial services space, anomaly detection for things like fraud and anti-money laundering is a really yeah. nice low-hanging fruit because I think what you're articulating for BI Machine learning is sort of built to figure out what's different about this combination of 60 data points compared to the last set of, you know, a million sets of these 60 data points for a new payment or a new, you know, transfer of money or whatever that comes through. It sounds like for BI, it's kind of similar. Machine learning is able to look not just at the bell curve of this data source, the bell curve of this data source, or the bell curve of this data source, but look at the relationship between however many sources we want to stack over whatever period of time and figure out what's different between the previous periods of time. And it sounds like there's almost a natural fit for anomaly detection when it comes to BI in this in this um, anomaly sense. Am I am I touching on this correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's that's good to understand for the audience at home. And just for, you know, uh, knowing that that you know, not all of us are as technical as you, when it comes to why machine learning can do that compared to just looking at all the previous, you know, statistical methods, maybe, you know, whatever, logistic regression, whatever methods we would have used beforehand. What is it about ML that allows us to do that across more data sources compared to other statistical previous methods, let's say? So traditional statistical methods look at it as a single dimensional perspective, whereas ML can give you that multidimensional view. And it has also the power of past data, right? So so especially in cases like let's let's take the banking example where now you know uh, you can't really model all abnormal use cases right so you cannot say this person is not paying or his credit score is so low you cannot really model everything abnormal but what you can feed the system is everything that is normal and probably 5% of it is deviating from the original so that that can be considered noise so so you have everything that is normal and the system can actually predict anything that deviates from normal, right? So, so we have looked at traditionally supervised and unsupervised machine learning algorithms, but this is actually something like a weekly supervised case where you just give me the past data. Now I will infer whatever patterns I am able to infer out of it. That is where the machine learning algorithm is let loose on it. Whatever patterns that can be discovered, how many of our dimensions to it, the system is able to crunch all of it and project the dimension that you need based on the specific filter you have applied, that is where ML adds a lot of value over statistics. So statistics doesn't have the power of the past data, but ML also bring in, brings in a wealth of knowledge from the past data. Got it. Okay. So in, in what you're saying is that that is one of the key differences that maybe you couldn't have done with whatever statistical tools people were using 12 years ago or something. And I guess what we can sort of talk about, you know, what I like to do in these use case episodes that we air on Tuesdays is I, I like to talk about, okay, what was the previous way that this was done? What does it look like after we integrate AI and machine learning? Where does AI and machine learning help to kind of level up capability? But then also what that looks like in practice, you know, when, when you were able to to kind of layer artificial intelligence into your product here, I imagine the interface probably looked similar. You you, you probably needed a an interface where the technical people could go in and you know test different features and different weights and all those things. That's of course a different universe. But for the for the day to day business user, I would imagine the interface is somewhat similar, except maybe now they have a little set of prompts that says, "Hey, within this time range and this set of data that you're looking at." here are the things that are different and are anomalous, and then you can click on them and kind of see why 
they're different. I mean, I would imagine that that's kind of the way that you would layer this new ML capability into your tool. But you tell me, Ram, what does it look like to actually have this be part of a product? Right. So when we started off, like initially when we identified a few things and we started rolling out uh, our AI features, actually there's not much of a usage because, you know, the people using the tool and and we have, we have been trying to retrofit AI into the BI product that has existed for 15 years now. And, and the user who is using it knows his data very well than the new machine learning algorithm can perform. So initially it was like, very different for them to come to the fact that, okay, there is a prediction that is coming out. How do I take this forward? Right. So, and it is when we started giving explanations, we did see an uptick in usage and, and we didn't show it on the face saying, Hey, this is an AI powered forecast, but we subtly introduced them. For example, like we have ways to measure the confidence of the prediction. So even the higher confidence predictions were given in via notification feed where you can say, okay, this might be anomalous because I expected this value. There could be a problem here because this combination looks very different from what it should look like, right? So so subtle prompts started getting people to come in and, and AI per se is like very overhyped because when we talk about AI and AI winters, it, it's just because of the hype the technology and the people around it create, then it falls short of expectations and then it goes into an AI winter mode. So we didn't really create much of a hype. We just had for a, for a potential business user, it, it's all going to be the same, just that uh, the forecast results are just getting better. And uh, we started getting feedback that uh, they are very happy with the forecasting quality, very happy with the quality in which we do. And that is the additional value we are bringing in. For the for the users in the other spectrum, the power users, now they get more choices. Like they always operate on the uh, formulas and uh, the functions inbuilt into the BI tool. But now they have the power of decision making with multiple choices. The forecast engine actually breaks them down on why it chose a particular route. So now they can play around with it. They can change a different route and see how it behaves. So so that would be the aftermath of getting AI into the same tool. Got it. Yeah. So, and uh, I think it's really interesting, Ram. I mean, you, you've seen, you know, you guys have competitors in a lot of different software spaces and you do see a lot of AI features launched with a tremendous amount of fanfare. I have nothing against Salesforce. We've we've interviewed a number of people from Salesforce in the past, but you know the, the kind of idea of, of this you know Einstein general umbrella to indicate AI writ large, to indicate kind of intelligence writ large. Really, really hard to put a finger on it. Very easy, like you had said, for kind of a hype wave to go over things, and, and it feels like there might be some danger there. At the same time, you know they use it for press. They use it to maybe try to hire people and build some buzz and excitement around the company. But it sounds like you guys went the other route, where you just said, "Hey, look." Can we take features that already exist? Can we leverage, you know, ML on the back end and make sure that those features are upgraded and better and just see if people like them more and kind of almost invisibly make them part of the interface for the business user and just make sure that they're actually delivering more value. It sounds like that was the philosophy you took. Yes, Dan. Un unlike in uh, very consumer oriented places where a lot of data was actually available, uh, in the B2B space, we actually had to build a lot of things uh, after the AI wave come in. For example, traditionally engineering management always cared about code reusability, extendability, modularity, and so on. But after the AI wave kicked in, it has become an important part of the process where, you know, what kind of data does your product generate is also equally important like code reusability and extendability, right? So so unlike since we don't have a very ad-driven revenue model, we, we probably don't log every interaction of the user with the product 
that had not been done before but now uh, we are trying to do it because that that creates a data set that can help the users right your interaction with the analytics product knows we know that how well are you able to use and we know that people generally get stuck in this point especially when onboarding new users something like a bi tool can be really complex yes right? it, it can it can a wealth of options and how do i create a simple dashboard is going to be a question now when all of it is beautifully orchestrated and you know where a particular user would generally go with a kind of flow so we have something called macros and workflows where you know repetitive actions are captured now let's say you are in an organization you are in a bank and generally in a bank this is how generally in your organization this is how a process goes so 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 there is a new lead that is coming in and then he submits an application then a verification is happening so now we know these would be the next steps when you recommend that it it is actually it it works like magic especially in when you have multiple workflows yeah 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 and and i think the simpler probably the simpler the better in a lot of different regards for business tools like you said already it's it can be overwhelming when you hop in there so i think your philosophy of kind of making it behind the scenes so to speak lots of credence to that i think for those of you who are listening in and who are interested in building uh, or upgrading your own saas tools or products with ai there's going to be some lessons to be extracted here ram i know that's all we had for this interview but thank you so much for being able to join us in the program this has been a lot of fun thank you dan So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Thank you to Rob Prakash for being able to join us in this episode. And thank you to you for listening all the way through. As I promised here, we had a great review on iTunes that I wanted to share. Every now and again, we will share an iTunes review in the newsletter. Uh, I think it's the first time I've ever shared one on the podcast. I probably should do it more often. Whenever we get a good review and whenever we get great feedback, good, bad, or ugly, um, we talk about it here at Emerge. And uh, this was one that I thought was more than worth sharing. This is from Sobering, the user on iTunes, whose headline was Entertaining, Insightful, and Actionable. This is one of the most insightful podcasts I've ever come across. Daniel does such a great job of sharing his wisdom and love how he leads meaningful conversations with industry experts who bring so much to the table every single episode. Jam-packed with helpful takeaways to help your business thrive in the era of ML. Highly recommend checking out the show. You won't be disappointed means the world to me. We, we love getting feedback directly about what kind of episodes inspire people, you know, what kinds of things were they able to put in action in their own business. But it is also great to hear from people who just, in general, get a lot out of the show. means a lot to me. Uh, love sharing it with you guys. I do this for you guys. The show has grown so much over the last five years of ramping things up, covering AI business cases, uh, and it means a lot to hear from you. If you have benefited from the show in the past, uh, and if you want to potentially hear your own review uh, on the podcast or in our newsletter, consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It means the world to me. It certainly helps other people learn about the show, but it's also the most important source of feedback that we have for what we're doing right and when. My job is to build better content in better formats at all times for our audience of enterprise leaders who are interested in applying AI. Uh, and that means you. Thanks for being here listening. Thank you to Sobering for this nice review this week on the AI and Business Podcast. And I look forward to catching you next time.